an. Memorial Day is built around the reality of the fact that there is war. All throughout history, there have been the battles that have gone on. And throughout Scripture, we find many references to it. Um, Too many for us to address each and every one of them. But Paul, in writing to young Timothy, in urging him and giving him exhortations in how to serve the Lord... He said in verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. If you'd look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he gives another exhortation in verse 11. He says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So in just a few short chapters, we find at least two references, Paul to Timothy. I want you to be able to be equipped that you could war a good warfare, that you might war a good warfare. And then he says that you would fight the good fight, the good fight of faith. As Americans, we have been richly, richly blessed to not experience war firsthand in our country since the Civil War. So, since the 1860s. We have not known war in our land. Do you know how few nations are able to say that today? And because of that, we often have a false idea about war. Sometimes we can glorify war. Sometimes we can minimize war. It's easy for us to read about it and say, ah, we went to war and this and this happened. Just this last week, reading a few articles of individuals that wrote firsthand of their experiences of war, there is nothing to glorify in war. It is tragic, it is life-altering and life-ending, and the, the reality of the intensity of the um, urgency of the finality of war 
I read an article about uh, an Iowan telling of his experiences in World War II and seeing fellow soldier after fellow soldier shot down and literally body blown in half and half of his fellow soldier's body fell onto him in a foxhole. I mean, we read these things and, you know, it's it's easy to just think of war, but it is beyond our human comprehension. And all throughout history, it's been the same. Some of you have served in the military and you have seen firsthand some of these things. And um, we commend you for your service and we honor you for your perseverance through some very, very difficult things that you have experienced. So when in Scripture we read the analogy that you would be able, as a believer, to war a good warfare. This isn't just flippantly used. It isn't just um, put out there. Um, many times we have false ideas about war, and many times as believers, we often have those same false ideas about war, and we bring them into our view of the spiritual warfare that is going on in our world today and is going on in our own personal lives today. And I want to just um, look today at, at several thoughts about <clears throat> war in us remembering it is a war. It is a battle that we are in. <clears throat> Life is a contest. It is a conflict, it is a battle, it is a fight, it is a war. Life itself is all of those things. War, when, when we talk about war, it's meaning there is a conflict, there is a contest, there is a battle, there is a fight that is going on. Just physical life. That's All that stuff is going on in our bodies right now. If your body quits fighting all the germs and diseases, you'll be dead. But in life, there is that conflict. Something is contested. And although it's not politically correct today, there are winners and losers in war. In war, everybody doesn't walk away a winner. There are winners and losers. There is a, a contest that is going on in the spiritual warfare. Who is the master? Who is the authority? The spiritual warfare comes down to this. Is God the master, is God the authority, or is Satan or someone else? It comes down, the spiritual warfare. Who is worthy to be praised? Who do we owe praise to? The Bible 
gives us clear definition of this. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Satan walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know. I mean, that isn't war in the sense of armed and, and going to battle as we think of military warfare, but it is most assuredly a conflict, a contest, a fight, a battle. It is a war. Satan, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's winners and losers in war. Sad to say, many times, spiritually speaking, we are naive when it comes to the spiritual warfare. There is a battle that is going on for the soul of man, that is going on for your soul. John 10 tells us that Satan has come to steal and kill and destroy. But the good shepherd is come that you might have life. That's the battle that is going on. Steal, kill, destroy, or life. And the battle that is going on is a battle that is heavily contested. It is a battle in particular from Satan viewpoint. Is anything goes. I, and in war, as you look throughout history... There is evidence that anything goes in warfare. And Satan comes with that mentality that I will do anything that I can to steal, kill, and destroy, and to devour. And yet many times as believers, we end up shooting at the wrong thing. Anyone familiar with World War II histories knows the horrors of D-Day and Normandy. Many of us are not familiar with the British Ruperts or the American Oscars. These were decoy paratroopers, dummies about three feet tall with a parachute attached, Ruperts were typically made of burlap and filled with straws. Oscars were inflated rubber. Sometimes they were referred to as rubber, rubber dummies. These were dropped from planes during the dark early morning hours of D-Day. Enemy soldiers could not distinguish them from real paratroopers. As a result, the enemy wasted much of their ammo in the wrong direction of the decoys, while the Allied soldiers advanced in another area. The whole point was they were shooting at the wrong thing. Sad to say, many times spiritually, we end up shooting at the wrong thing. We end up expending our energies and our time and our efforts 
that don't really affect the enemy at all, in fact, play right into his hands as the Ruperts and Oscars played into the hands were used to cause the enemy to play into our hands. Life is a battle. And learning to see life as spiritual warfare is the only way to make sense of it. Unless you learn to see life as spiritual warfare, you will not learn to make sense of this life. Why are there conflicts in marriages? We say, well, their personalities are different. Why are there conflicts in families? Well, they're fighting about finances. Why are there conflicts in relationships? Well, they broke the trust, and we have all these reasons. The bottom line is, these conflicts are brought to bring destruction, and Satan seeks to bring destruction. Yesterday, we celebrated the wedding of Ernie and Logan, And I said to them, this is a time of conflict. And those of you that have been married say, boy, howdy, is that right? I thought I might hear an amen yesterday in that, but that would be kind of self-incriminating, wouldn't it? No, that would be honest. Seriously, you that have been married, how many of you were married and never had a conflict? Wayne's lying, or he's so senile now he can't remember right. (laughs) The reality is, why is there a conflict? And I said yesterday, because Satan wants to destroy every home. You think, oh, it's our laws, it's this and that. No, Satan wants to destroy every home. It's warfare. It's a conflict. You won't make sense of life if you don't see it as spiritual warfare. We as believers stand for the Word of God. Today, the Word of God is under extreme attack by Islam. We know how Muslims treat women. Okay, put that there. The Word of God is also under extreme attack by feminists and liberals. Have you ever heard a feminist attack Islam for the way they treat women? Why? It's because of spiritual warfare. The general of Islam is Satan, and the general of feminism that is attacking the Word of God is Satan, and he's attacking from one side, and he's attacking from another side, and we fail to see the spiritual warfare, and we wring our hands and say, Wow, they're so stupid. No, they're following the orders of the spiritual warfare. I don't know if you saw the news this last week. Former President Barack Obama came out in favor of building the wall around his property in Washington, D.C. His new property that he got, they just completed building a wall around it this last week. And you think, that doesn't make sense. 
He's not for building a wall to protect our nation, but he is for building a wall to protect his property. It doesn't make sense unless you see the spiritual warfare involved. Satan wants to bring the fall of America built on Judeo-Christian principles. He hates those principles. He hates what this nation was built on, Satan does. And so he will lead people astray. He will blind people to say, oh, we don't need that. And because of that, when you start seeing the spiritual warfare, we could go on and on and on, but the battle comes down to truth. There is a battle for man's soul. And in understanding, you'll never make sense of life. You'll never make sense. Why is there this conflict? There's this conflict because Satan wants to destroy every relationship. Satan wants to destroy every home. He is the destroyer. Seeing life as spiritual warfare is the only way you will make sense of it. There is no rest in war. From the standpoint of historically, there has always been war. There will always be war because only Christ can bring an end to war. And personally, there will always be a spiritual warfare going on in your life and in the world around us because in us we have the world... The flesh dwelling within us, we have the flesh, and as a believer, we have the Spirit of God. And those two are contrary, Galatians 5 tells us, they are contrary one to another. And they are at war, they are at enmity one with another. And as much as I get tired of the warfare... You can't say, hey, this is my day off. There's no warfare going on. There is no rest in war. Those of you that have been in war, it's not like, okay, we've been battling seven days. Next day we have 24 hours off. No, there is no rest in war. And many times in Christianity, we're looking for the rest. Why am I battling this? It's war. That's why we're battling We're at at spiritual warfare. And there is no rest in it. Former President John F. Kennedy, in August of 1943, was on a patrol torpedo boat that he commanded, and it was rammed and sunk by an enemy destroyer near the Japanese-held Solomon Islands. Kennedy and a fellow officer swam from one enemy-occupied island to the next enemy-occupied island until they finally found some friendly islanders who helped them get a message to the U.S. forces. Years later, Kennedy was regarded as a hero. His response was, it was involuntary. My boat was sunk. 
Spiritually speaking, when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, it is involuntary whether you are in the war or not because you have a target on you that Satan wants to try to take you down, destroy your testimony, and bring damage to the cause of Christ. And if you are a true believer, you have an enemy. And if you have not yet trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you have an enemy that already has you in his camp and has already deceived you until you come to trust Christ as Savior. It wasn't a chance. It isn't, well, today I'm going to go be a warrior for the Lord. No, you're in a battle. And the greatest difficulty, the greatest victories come from the most difficult battles. If you do not fight, you cannot win. Paul writing again to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Thou therefore, my brethren, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In our life, there comes some great meaning in the sense of difficult and strenuous battles that come into our life. There come reversals of our fortunes. There comes shocking bad news that comes into our life. And those come into our life seeking to disrupt our faith and, and get us to turn our back on Christ. But God allows the attacks to strengthen and grow us in the faith. We need them. We would never grow properly without them. Robert Bruce, the king of Scotland from in the early 1300s. Early in his reign, Scotland was invaded by the English. They defeated his army and forced him into hiding. He took refuge in a cave, completely disheartened, defeated, and ready to resign himself to complete defeat and loss of his kingdom the king lay by a fire in this dark cave. And in the flickering firelight, he noticed the spider on the cave wall. It was spinning a web. The spider repeatedly attempted to secure the web and failed and attempted again and failed again. Finally, after many attempts, the spider was able to secure the web with a strong um, base. And the persistence of that spider spoke to the Scottish king regarding his own exile and his own difficulties. And he decided, laying there in that cold, dark cave, that he despite his past failures, had to continue the fight for Scottish freedom. Robert the Bruce left his cave, 
led his troops across the battlefield and defeated the English invaders in the Battle of Bannockburn in 1314. He continued to persevere for the next 14 years until he finally won Scottish independence in 1328. Some of the most difficult battles produce the greatest victories. And I don't know what battles you may be going through in your life, but we need to be faithful men and women in those battles. And as we remain faithful to Jesus Christ and persevere when everything else says quit and continue when you feel you have no strength to continue and to cry out to God and say, God, I can't go on without you, as we saw last week in, in our look at Psalm 55, we cast our burden on the Lord and He will sustain us. The greatest victories come through the most difficult battles, but victory is only through God's power. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, we find again an exhortation an exhortation to us regarding the battle that we are in. And he says, For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or are not fleshly, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice what it says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This warfare that we're in is not a flesh-and-blood warfare. When there's conflict in your marriage, the conflict is just not between a husband and wife. It's a spiritual battle. And we need to see it as that, and we need to use the weapons that God has given us in the battle. We don't have time to go into it. The weapons that God has given us, Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the weapons that He's given us. But let me just mention two things. He's given us His Word. As we take the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God and use the Word of God to expose the lies of Satan, we walk in victory. And as we then pray and cry out to God, God, I need Your direction. God, I need Your wisdom. God, what do I do in this? God, I need Your strength. I need Your comfort. The psalmist says, through God, we shall do valiantly. How do I get through God? I go to His Word, I go in prayer, and through God we shall do valiantly, for He it is that shall tread down our enemies. It is only through God's power that we know victory in the battle that we're in. It is important for us to realize the outcome of the spiritual warfare 
is already determined. Do you understand? My wife has a practice of reading books. She reads some at the start, and then she goes to the end and reads the end to see how it finishes, and then she goes back and reads the book because she can be at peace, at rest, and know how it ends. In, in her way, she says it's biblical because God gave us the beginning and the end, and, and he told us how I, I don't argue with her. If you want to take it up with her, go have at it, okay? But you know what? God did tell us how it ends. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves and we need to go to the book of Revelation and we need to read how it ends. This warfare, and and you look at the world today and you could say, man, Satan is having a heyday. Satan is... We know how it ends. And that ought to give us courage. That ought to give us strength. You, you look at this in, in Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and him that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is that? Jesus Christ. And notice what it says. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. Didn't we sing about that this morning? He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. The day is coming when he is coming with his army in, in heaven. On his vesture is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. I won't take the time to read, but we read that, the beast and the false prophet were taken and cast into the lake of fire where they shall be forever and ever. And God reigns and rules victorious. Do you know, someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We already know who wins. The outcome of the spiritual warfare is already determined. The question is, whose side are we on? Have we received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin? And if we have and are on His side, 
How are we doing in the warfare? Are we a good soldier? Are we using what God has given us? Do we see life from the spiritual warfare perspective? Do we understand that? And does it dictate our thoughts and our actions? If you have never personally called upon Jesus Christ to forgive your sins... You are already in Satan's camp. It doesn't matter what you believe. The devil believes in Jesus, but he's never applied the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. When you apply the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, then you are adopted into God's family and you are on the winning side. But he hasn't just saved us to put us on the winning side. He saved us to fight the fight, to fight the good fight of faith, that we may war a good warfare. And that's the reason He has called us. So that gives us reason to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That gives us reason to continue. There may be things that don't go the way we want. No, there There will be things that will go the way we don't want them to go. There will be difficulties. Expect it. It's warfare. But the captain of our salvation is in control. The captain of our salvation is on the throne, and his kingdom will not fail, as we sang earlier. So our heart ought to be encouraged rather than just seeing this as a conflict between two people. Wait a minute. Satan's trying to bring this. And when we turn our focus toward God and when we both turn our focus to obey God, we'll see conflicts resolved. And when we learn to see life as spiritual warfare going on around us, it will make all the difference in our life. The reality is, what kind of soldier are you? Are, first of all, you a soldier of Jesus Christ? And if you are, what kind of soldier are you? Are you in the battle for Christ? Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us... To see the warfare that is going on around us and in us. And Lord, I pray for individuals here today that have never trusted you for the forgiveness of sins. I pray today would be the day that they would call upon you to forgive their sins and save their souls. Then, Lord, I pray for every believer here that they would be renewed in their zeal and commitment and perseverance in the warfare. And, Lord, that we wouldn't believe the lies of Satan, that we would battle with truth, and that we would walk on in victory, looking forward to the victory that only you can give us. So, Lord, we ask today that we would walk in the victory of you, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to...